Hi folks, Tris here. Thanks for listening to Modem Prometheus, and thanks especially to all of you who have joined our Patreon. We don't run ads, so the whole podcast is supported by you. If you'd like to help out, head over to patreon.com forward slash modemprometheus. Members get behind-the-scenes notes, early access, bonus episodes, and a lot more exciting stuff. Today's story is called Clackerjack, and we wrote it especially for you. It is three weeks after the clocks changed, dealing an hour of Sophie's sleep and swapping it like a ball between dancing cups for warmer evenings, blossom covering pavement cracks, and a hopeful scent of barbecue. Sophie no longer notices the blossom because too many of her emails are unread. She doesn't know what wine to bring to her sister's dinner party, and the clackerjack has followed her home. She searches for good red wine, then best Merlot under 20 pounds, then suffers a crisis of confidence and tries, is bringing red wine gauche, followed by quickly looking up the meaning of gauche. Her sister had bought her a bottle of expensive wine for Christmas. At least, she thinks it's expensive. The label has calligraphy. Sophie still hasn't opened it. It's special occasion booze, the kind where you think about the times you might drink it rather than ever actually doing so. Maybe she should bring that. No, she can't bring the wine her sister bought her. That would definitely be gauche. It's probably what whoever invented the word gauche was thinking of at the time. She fumbles with her key, bouncing it around the lock before it catches, and then holds open the door for the clackerjack. There's no sense in trying to keep it out. The clackerjack is not a vampire. It has no concept of forbiddance. It doesn't care whether or not you've invited it in. It pays no attention to walls, doors, or locks. When it is there, it is always there. Sophie looks at it out of the corner of her eye, not quite turning her head the whole way. The clackerjack looks back silently, with its too thin frame, gaunt, grey face, and eyes that hum with fluorescent light. Just... just don't get in the way, alright? The clackerjack stands there, flickering like a lamppost. It makes no such promises. Hi honey, Mark calls from the kitchen. How was your day? She briefly considers telling him about the pile of emails she left without opening, the quarterly review meeting that's coming up in a week, and the three-page self-assessment form she's been given to fill in. How she thinks Hair Gel Harry is trying to flirt with her, but isn't sure, and doesn't know what to do since he's also the head of HR. But what she says is, It was fine. Followed by, Do you think it would be gauche to bring wine on Saturday? Gauche? I don't know, do you want to bring something else? Oh hell, can you watch the grill? Gemma's trying to eat the philodendron. Sophie watches the sausages brown as her husband places the houseplants out of reach of a two-year-old. The grill is smoking. The element needs cleaning. The element needs cleaning, and the cupboards are out of style, and the worked-up is stained from an ocean of spilled tea delivered one splash at a time. Emma, her sister, has a brand new kitchen. It has granite worktops, an eye-level oven with 18 different programs, a boiling water tap, she shared the photos on the family WhatsApp chat. They made Sophie feel ill. The clackerjack is stood next to her. 
It leans close and says, in a voice that echoes with the clicker-clack of a keyboard in an office with no windows, Your sister can afford these things because she has a better job. She is smart. I know, Sophie mutters. She applied herself. She is a doctor. She earns more now than you ever will. You move paper from one box to another and pretend this is worth money. They eat sausages and potato waffles in front of the TV. Mark watches Gemma in her high chair. Katie sits quietly at one end of the sofa. Sophie asks her how school was and gets a shrug and a fine in return. The clackerjack sits on the sofa, one skinny leg crossed over the other. There is a sound like a fax machine and it withdraws a piece of paper from its pocket, which it hands to Sophie. It is a nutritional profile of the meal with a D minus written in red and ringed three times. Do you think we should try and cook healthier? Sophie asks Mark when Katie and Gemma are in bed. I'd love to, Mark says with a tone she recognises as him trying hard not to sound annoyed. But it's hard enough getting Katie to eat anything as it is. I didn't get back until four today either. It's hard to find the time. No, I know. I didn't mean it was your fault. Mark doesn't sound like he is entirely convinced. Sophie tries to change the subject. Do you think I should go see the guy? What? What for? Everyone knows the guy. The guy can get anything. Angie had been after a promotion for three years, and last year she'd finally got bored and gone to see the guy. Now she's the head of business opportunities and has eight direct reports. If the guy can do that, He can definitely get a nice bottle of wine. You're not going to the guy for wine, Mark says. It'd cost far too much. Sophie frowns. It's a fair point. Everything the guy gives you has a price. And the price for Angie was several nights working late with hair gel Harry. When they go to bed, the clackerjack follows and stands in the corner of the room like an interrogator. Sophie cannot sleep is too distracted by the light from its fluorescent eyes. Finally it moves, flowing up and under the duvet like mercury, pushing its way between her and Mark. It spoons her, breathing with typewriter drumming into her hair, one hand pressing firmly against her heart. The early morning passes in a blur of toast and flannels. Mark has Gemma in her high chair and is trying to persuade her to eat toast and marmite, which he's cut into small squares. Gemma is more interested in its aerodynamic properties into which she is conducting a thorough investigation. Mark will look after her until the childminder arrives. Sophie needs to be out the door in 18 minutes or she will miss her train. Katie needs to be out the door in 22 minutes or she will be late for school. The clackerjack is giving her a countdown, along with a list of everything that still needs to be done. Sophie has not told Mark about the clackerjack. To do so would be far worse than gauche. It would be weak. When a clackerjack latches onto you, it's just something you have to deal with. Part of being an adult. 
The clackerjack is a problem. It is not an excuse. Katie nibbles at her breakfast, a crumb of marmalade dropping from her bottom lip as she watches videos on her phone. Katie, hurry up and finish your breakfast. I'm not hungry. Well, eat it anyway. Think I'm ill. No, you're not. Anyway, if you stayed home, you'd miss your friends. Don't have friends. Don't be ridiculous, of course you do. What about Alice and Kate and Becky? Not my friends. She's been doing this for the last few weeks. She's tried any and every excuse not to go to school. She used to enjoy it. Teenagers. Seven minutes, says the clackerjack. Maybe she can dash out at lunch and find a bottle of nice mellow. There's a wine shop not too far from her office. She can just go in there and say, what's the best bottle of Merlot you have for under £20? And the guy behind the counter will sniff and give her a look and say something like, well, it's a good job you said best and not good. Because of course really good wine is going to be out of her price range and... Five minutes, says the clackerjack. Katie has given up on breakfast and is dropping her plate in the sink. Katie, tuck your shirt in. Katie sullenly does, with a face that they both know means it's coming out again as soon as she's out of sight. She heads upstairs, causing Sophie to ask, Where are you going? Cleaning my teeth? Having a wash, like you always tell me to do? Haven't you done that already? Just hurry up. Two minutes, says the clackerjack. She despises you. She's just being thirteen, Sophie mutters. When Emma's boy is 13, he will still love her. Mark walks past, Gemma carried against his face, sporting a marmite-stained grin. Is Katie ready yet? No, she's just gone to wash. Mark shakes his head like he's trying to get rid of a fly. Okay, you get to work, I'll deal with it. The clackerjack leans in close. He thinks you're incompetent, it says. And... You will not make your train. Sophie does not make her train. She arrives at the office half an hour late. She texts her manager with an apology. He tells her to make up the time at the end of the day. The pile of emails has grown since last night. Sophie imagines them dropping one on top of the other until her inbox cannot take the strain and they burst out of her monitor like junk from an overstuffed wardrobe. The clackerjack is reflected in the screen, the dull glow of its eyes making the text hard to read. She closes her inbox and brings up the self-assessment form. This is work too, she thinks. Management requested it. The first question is, What are your greatest achievements in the last quarter? And she does not know what to say. The form stares at her like a sphinx. Emma saves lives, the clackerjack says. And when she cannot, she watches people die. She deals with this every day. And yet you cannot handle a simple form. Although, it adds, in fairness, that is a question to which you have no reasonable answer. 
She closes the form, returns to the emails, deals with one. Three more come in while she's doing so. The clackerjack, seeing her despair, presents her with a list of all the things she wanted to do when she was 16, which she will now never achieve. It is not real. She knows it is not real. She knows it is psychosis, personification, the god of low-grade insecurity which has latched itself onto her, something she has unconsciously summoned due to her pathetic inability to cope. None of this makes it easier to stand it hovering over her, without knowing what incantation she did to summon it and what one would make it disappear. But of course there is no incantation. The only way to deal with the clackerjack is to push through it. Keep working. Just get through the week. She will deal with her emails and complete the form and avoid hair gel Harry and find some wine and go to her sister's house for dinner and her sister definitely won't see her as an embarrassment, the older one who was always eclipsed by her younger sibling's brains and beauty and charm. She wonders if everyone has this much trouble banishing their clackerjacks when they come. At 3.14pm, Sophie can take it no more. She goes into the bathroom and finds the clackerjack there. Of course it is there. It is everywhere. She makes sure there is no one in any of the stalls, then turns to it and screams. Leave me alone! Leave me alone! Why won't you leave me alone? And she beats it on its skinny chest, or tries to, but her hands pass straight through. And instead she strikes her fists on the bathroom wall. The clackerjack angles its head slightly and says, You are too emotional. I just... She says to the clackerjack as she threads her way to the Moonstar Cafe. I just can't deal with you right now. I have too much to do. I still haven't found a good bottle of wine. And I've got the project and Katie. And I just can't. I can't. The clackerjack stretches its neck on one side, then the other, with a sound like the key taps that write, Book a slot in my open calendar, in a manager's email. You can come back. Sophie mutters. I know you'll come back. The guy is sat at a table in the corner, behind a plate piled high with enough fry-up that Sophie's arteries clench in sympathy. He has a cup of tea next to him, the dirty orange colour of a fox's fur. He dawdles in the doorway, until he waves her over with a fork-stabbed sausage. He does not pay attention to the clackerjack, which sits down at a table next to them. So, he says, How do you want this to go? I've got this thing, Sophie says quietly, like she doesn't want the walls to hear. Even now, when she has specifically come to talk about the clackerjack, she finds it hard to talk about the clackerjack. A thing, the guy says, as if this was a crucial key insight into her situation. Yeah, and, like, I know it's not there, or it is, but not like I'm seeing it. It's, you've got yourself a clackerjack, the guy butts in. Sophie's eyes widen. 
She can't help but look across to where it sits, sharp and grey. You can see it. Oh, honey. The guy smiles as he mops up an egg with a slice of thin white bread. Everyone can see it. He watches her with those strange magpie blue eyes. The question is, what do you want to do about it? Can you get rid of it? I can. But it would be expensive. How much would it cost? Five years. From your daughter. Sophie stares at him and he looks back, head magpie cocked, like he's wondering whether or not to peck out one of her eyes. Eventually she manages, no, I'm not doing that. Then what do you want? I want Sophie looks at the clackerjack. I want to feel normal. Well, that is rather simpler. The guy waves to the waitress, who brings over another cup of fox-coloured tea. He fishes in his pocket, pulls out a small brown bottle, from which he shakes out a pair of red and yellow pills. They rattle on the table like dice, gambler's choice. Sophie hesitates briefly, but downs them with a mouthful of tea. He looks over to the clackerjack, which is still sitting there. Give it time, the guy says. Sophie nods. Thank you. Give that time, too. And really, Sophie should have foreseen what was coming next. A wish never gives you what you want. Only what you said you wanted. And so, on her walk home, Sophie sees just how normal she is. She sees that everyone is being followed by a clackerjack. Some gaunt and thin, some fat and waddling, some with claws and some with teeth and some wrapped around necks. She gets home and sees Mark trying to ignore a red-haired woman with far too large eyes, at least nine feet tall, its back bent in an impossible hoop so it can whisper ceaselessly in his ear. She sees his head shake as he tries to push it away. Katie is followed by her friend Alice, an impossibly beautiful version of Alice, wearing a constant sneer. Sophie reaches out on instinct to grip its shoulder and pull it away, and both she and it are shocked when her hand connects. Katie's clackerjack looks at her, and Sophie looks back, but she doesn't know what to do and so lets it go, and it follows Katie into her room. Sophie's clackerjack laughs, a dusty tapping sound. They take the car to Emma's house. It's uncomfortably full. The clackerjacks jammed in between them or sat on laps. Mark's one is set in the boot. Its ridiculously long body twisted in ways a spine should not allow. It blocks the view through the car's rear window. Mark drives and Sophie carries a bottle of wine. In the end, it came from a supermarket, but she made sure not to get one of the bottles on special offer in case Emma went to the same store. Emma greets them at the door, broad smile and flawless makeup. Something seems weird about her, but Sophie can't quite work out what it is. Maybe her smile is a bit too forced, her expression a bit too brittle, but of course it would be. 
Emma wouldn't have someone like her around normally. It's just because she's family. Hi, Emma says. It's so good to see you. I hope you like pasta. There's a lot of it. Sophie tries to remember the last time she cooked pasta that wasn't spaghetti hoops. Emma's pasta probably has vegetables in it. The recipe probably involves the words balsamic glaze. Hopefully Katie won't make a scene and demand sausages. Sophie hands over the wine with an external smile and an internal wince. But Emma says, oh, how nice, that looks lovely. And she's very good at this because it looks like she means it. Emma dashes off upstairs and leaves her husband, Matthew, to entertain them, pour drinks. She returns a few minutes later and makes small talk with Sophie in the kitchen as she finishes the balsamic glaze and fries impossibly thin ham in a heavy based pan. It's a le crusade, Emma says. Don't tell Matthew, but if the house burns down, I'm saving this before him. It must have cost a lot, Sophie says. Oh yes, but it'll last, you know. Worth it in the long run. And this is the point Sophie notices what is weird about Emma. She has no clackerjack. Nothing stands over her explaining how she is a disappointment. Nothing whispers a litany of failures in her ear. And yet she looks at any minute like she might shatter, scattering the floor with perfectly cut glass, shards of a smile, a glitter of skin. They eat almost on time. Matthew pours Sophie's wine into several glasses, orange juice for the kids. Katie is offered wine, but makes a face. She's eating the vegetables, though. She doesn't at home. Emma heads upstairs once more during dinner. She comes back red-eyed, but still smiling. Okay, dessert? Dessert is a tiramisu, which Sophie's clackerjack informs her is clearly homemade. Not the supermarket-owned brand she'd end up serving. Emma picks at hers, makes a joke with Katie and small talk with Mark before she's upstairs again. This time, Sophie follows. Their bedroom door is open a crack and through it she can see Emma leaning her weight against a wardrobe whose door is rattling violently. No, please, just a few hours, she's saying. Just a few hours, and then you can come out, but I just can't have you here now, I just can't. The door rattles once more and stops. Emma relaxes, but is then thrown backwards as the door bursts open and her clackerjack stomps out. It's a huge one. A twisted column of hydronecks, one with a face that isn't quite Matthew's, one with a face that isn't quite their mother's, and one with a face that isn't quite hers. She sees Matthew's face, tell Emma he's only with her out of habit. It's obvious how much more attractive he finds Sophie. She sees her mother's face say it doesn't matter how much Emma accomplishes, she will always be the unwanted accident. She sees her own face ask if Emma's noticed how well-behaved Katie and Gemma are and say she's neglecting her own child. She's a terrible mother. And Emma mutters, I know. I know. Sophie backs away from the door and heads to the kitchen. The Le Creuset pan is still sat on the hob, damp with oil and reassuringly heavy. She picks it up makes her way back to Emma's room where her clackerjack has her cornered on the bed. Emma looks up, confused as Sophie enters. 
Emma's clackerjack does not, which makes it easier for Sophie to smack it in not-quite-mother's face. Never! She yells, smacking the thing with each word for emphasis. Ever say anything like that to her again! Emma's clackerjack lies in a bloody heap on the floor. It isn't dead. These things do not live and die as you and I might understand the terms, but it looks very much like it wants to be. It slinks away to cower in the bottom of the wardrobe. Emma is staring at her. Sophie says, You are a wonderful mother. You are an amazing sister. I'm sorry I don't say that to you more. Emma pulls her into a hug. Did you have one of them too? Sophie shudders. Her clackerjack is stood in the doorway. Baleful fluorescent gaze on them. She wonders how it will convince her that this was a terrible thing to do. She sighs. I still do. It spent the day telling me how I'll never measure up to you. How you only talk to me out of pity. That you'll always be the favourite daughter. You know the drill. It's over there right now. Emma glances to the doorway on instinct and her eyes go wide. Oh my god. Oh my god. Sophie looks at her. You can see it. I couldn't. But now you've told me about it, it's just... so obvious. She walks a few steps towards the clackerjack and reaches out a hand. The clackerjack takes a step backward. Emma's eyes narrow and she reaches her hand behind her. Sis, give me that pan. Modern Prometheus is written by Neil Merton, the voice of the city is Kate Angier, and with music and production by me, Tris Oten. Check out my other show, Lost Terminal. It's got more science and less dread. For bonus episodes and behind-the-scenes content, join our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Prometheus. If you're not ready for that kind of commitment, please rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this right now. Our next story is due on the riot moon on the 3rd of July. Remember, everyone has a clackerjack. You are not alone. <laughs>